Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite de Queen's Practical Wisdoms at Work podcast. I'm Amanda, your host of today's show, and I'm here with our co-founders, Lynn and Tina, as well as Director of Operations and Communications, Rachel. Today, we'll be discussing how to bridge the generational gap in communication styles. What are the biggest communication style differences you have noticed between generations? Lynn, let's hear from you first. All righty. Well, I think the biggest communication styles that I have seen um, or differences revolve around respect, response, and method. So in older generations, I have seen a sense of entitled respect. And what I mean by that is that older individuals uh, may think that they automatically deserve the respect of their younger co-workers. And, you know, not only do they not recognize that they need to earn respect, just like everyone else, um, but they don't extend that respect to the, the younger team members. Um, the second thing I mentioned was response. And <clears throat> I'm going to clarify that as a lack of response. Um, this is something I have consistently noticed in younger workers. Um, and rather than respond to voicemails or emails with a quick got it or on it, um, it seems like there's a big black hole and it's opened up and it just sucks my communication down inside of it. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's definitely something I've noticed. Um, and the final thing I mentioned was method, the method of communication. Uh, many of the younger workers I have encountered are often uncomfortable with making phone calls or leaving voicemails, and some seem to respond best uh, to text messaging. And on the flip side of that, um, I've worked with some older workers who are reluctant to use new forms of communications, such as Dropbox or Google Docs. So that's sort of what I've noticed as my, my three big items. Um, Tina, how about you? Well, Lynn, I think you've hit every everything right right there. Um, respect, response, and method. Um, what I find um, the biggest community style from for me is um, having a conversation, either face to face or voice to voice. It seems today that texting is the preferred method, and I I also I'm un, I'm hearing I'm understanding that voicemails are downright ignored as not being relevant. So I think that there's a, a, a big difference there in getting that tone correct and being able to have, have a, a true conversation instead of short um, number of characters, uh, what the Twitter kind of uh, number of characters that, that limits the number of characters that you use. Um, and I, I think that we've lost uh, the art of handwriting. I think that that's something that that used to I mean, used to handwrite a thank you letter, and I just boy, I rarely see that anymore. Maybe in an email, but certainly not taking the time to to have something personalized with your own handwriting and put it in the mail and um, uh, have it be communicated that way. Uh, it's an, an elegance and it's a, a form of communication that I think we've uh, we've lost. Rachel. Well, it's funny that you bring up the art of handwriting, Tina, because we're going to see a generational difference right here, right now. I don't mm -hmm. see the point. Mm -hmm. some, some people's handwriting is just not legible. My Nana, <laughs> she always would write me lovely notes in the cards that she gave me. I couldn't read them because mm -hmm. she wrote in this 
wonderful cursive. I can read my mom's handwriting, but my grand, my other grandmother's handwriting, again, I can't read it. Even my own handwriting, I sometimes can't read. And, you know, it's just, that's not, to me, that's not the best way to get something down. Now, writing's out something personal, yes, beautiful. Write them a letter, type it out, or handwrite it, or whatever you want to do. But it's the thought behind the words, rather than how the words are put onto paper for me. Now, both Tina and Lynn have mentioned respect, and um, I'm going to clarify something that I'm sure Lynn meant. Um, for me, there are two different kinds of respect. There's the respect of being treated like a person with all the rights and autonomy that entails, and there's the respect that refers to being treated as an authority. And I think what Lynn was referring to was the latter, where older people tend to assume that they are authorities by nature of their age. Um, and a problem with that is not being able to, younger people often feel underappreciated in that way. Another thing specifically though, is the use of honorifics that I found is for some older people quite interesting. So I'm often in correspondence with one of my old professors. He's a lovely gentleman, of course he's older than me. And no matter how many times we've emailed each other and how long this email chain is, he continues to refer to me as Ms. Whitbeck. So I feel the need to refer to him as Professor So-and-so every single time when I'm totally comfortable just going by first names here because we've been talking for a long time. And I find that that's a bit funny and it goes into goes into something else that I wanted to bring up was the idea of familiarity. And in my experience, working with younger people, we tend to be, or myself included, we tend to be incredibly open. Uh, our, we have a very different sense of what is private and what is public. And there's just far less, you know, embarrassment about what I'm not sure why there even should be about what we, we do on our downtime and the kinds of things that we share. However, I've noticed that sometimes I share a little too much and I think that might be a bit personal. Um, but it is always interesting to me when there's this, this feels like a wall around some of my older coworkers and I realize that I know nothing about them, but I know everything about my younger coworkers. And it's just, it's very interesting the way that those two things are just so disconnected, but I want to say that overall, communication between myself and other coworkers of all ages has not been particularly difficult. I mean, this isn't like some unbreachable wall around different groups of people, but those are some noteworthy and interesting differences I've seen. Those are some great observations. How does familiarity and comfort with technology impact communication preferences? Tina, what do you think? I think I'm going to pick up a little bit where Rachel left off there. Social media uh, certainly seems to be a comfortable platform on which to share information, particularly with younger people. Um, that said, I, personally, it's not necessarily the best platform for business communications. Uh, since the creation of email, this has become the standard method of communicating specifics, details, or requests, and there's a record of the correspondence. Right? Individuals that have grown up with smartphones and social media are much more comfortable using those methods. While those of us that grew up in the business world before mobile phones and computers, there's, there's a learning curve. 
And the same can be said with that social media. I go back to social media. We are much more guarded with the sharing of personal information as an older person than the current generation. And I believe that creates disconnects. Um, and I, I truly believe that we lose the nuance of the conversation when we rely so much on, on technology. Rachel, how would you like to uh, counter that? Well, it's funny because you've mentioned a couple times now, Tina, that you feel that the younger generations aren't so much into, say, face-to-face -face conversations. And in my experience, that's not necessarily true. Personally, I vastly prefer face-to-face -face conversations to pretty much any other form of business communication because I feel like things just get communicated much more easily. Phone calls, which Lynn mentioned, I detest. <laughs> for whatever reason and then so it first to be face-to-face then you know some form of text-based communication texting emailing whatever and then after that it would be a phone call so communication can obviously be made simpler through certain kinds of technology whether that be social media but I don't tend to use social media too much in business but I think Lynn mentioned earlier the use of Google Docs, for example. That's a great way for everyone to be working together on a single project, even if you can't be there together. Actually, even if you are there together, I've found that working in groups with everyone still logged on into the Google Doc is so much easier than just having one person being in charge of typing everything out. So, you know, when you're grown up with these kinds of things, yes, it is much easier. And sometimes it can be frustrating waiting for that learning curve to get to get dealt with and waiting for these older generations to catch up, in, in which case I would counsel patients. People my age, yes, we have grown up with this technology. We have a bit of an advantage, um, but it, it can be a little bit frustrating. So, you know, that, that, can, that can impact the way we communicate and how well we communicate. And I think a final point that I wanna bring up is emails versus meetings. So I did mention earlier that I prefer face-to-face -face conversations over text, but that's only true if it's going to be useful. I find that in my experience, older generations tend to just love meetings when, in my view, it all could have been done over an email. You know, we need to make a decision between X, Y, or Z. Send me your vote. That would have been enough, but instead there was a meeting. And, you know, those are, those are just some of the different ways, because, of course, email is technology that um, we're all sort of comfortable with, but just the level of familiarity and comfort with technology, it can really impact the way we, we communicate and how well we communicate. Uh, Lynn, what would you like to add to this? <laughs> Well, I have to say, I, I love the comment about the meetings. I actually think we can do a podcast all about meetings because one of my, you know, <laughs> peeves is about, you know, meetings with no agendas or they just go off on complete wild tangents and you spend two hours of just nothingness. So um, <laughs> that's another subject altogether. So back to the topic at hand. Um, you know, I think that the we've all been talking about this, that how familiar and comfortable you are with technology definitely has a tremendous impact on how you use the communication tools and what your preferences are. And we've all been talking about this, like social media. Younger workers, I've found, will use Facebook Messenger to send communications for work. Now, um, 
And that is honestly something that most older workers would not consider in my experience. And, and let alone um, that this method of business communications is not approved by most organizations. So if anyone's out there and you're doing that for business, make sure you, you check with your, your employee handbook and check with HR because um, many organizations truly frown about that because it's no longer secure communications for business. Um, and, you know, we've been talking about this at that younger workers adapt quicker to technology changes or new methods, and it's because they've grown up with constant change. Uh, the latest app, the latest app update, that app is out, this app is in, right? And learning how to use and adapt to these methods, um, they, they, it's, it's almost in their DNA. So they've acclimated to adopting all of these new platforms and the tools, and I think that there's two sides. I see many older workers who are totally on top of these things. I mean, they take the time they, to learn it, to, to, to get on board, um, and some adapt much faster than others. Um, but there are some that they really need um, some help, and they may be hesitant to ask. And they also may need a few refreshers because it is foreign to them. It's not like second nature. And so they either need someone to to remind them how to do it, or they need like a simple guide um, to, to, to learn how to use a new tool. And I think, Rachel, you had an excellent um, point, is that to use patience for both sides when we're working together, because that difference um, can cause frustration and it can negatively impact the communication. So, you know, walk a mile in the other person's shoe, recognize that they may not be as comfortable and, uh, uh, help them out. I appreciate hearing your different thoughts on the preferences and communication styles that generations can have. Now, this all leads up to my next question. How do we bridge the communication style gap and work effectively together? Rachel, what would you say? Well, I think that there's a really very simple answer to this. Assume that your coworkers have the best intentions. If someone is being what you feel is overly familiar with you, don't assume that they're trying to be rude or, or anything like that. Assume that they're trying to be just friendly. And if someone is insisting or is giving you phone calls all the time when you would prefer that they email you, just assume that they just want to talk to you. And don't don't make a conflict out of something that's not malicious. That said, if there is a conflict in the way that you communicate, if someone misunderstands something that you say, and they do take it as rude or, or glib or whatever it may be, take the time to explain yourself and, you know, I wasn't trying to be rude, I only meant this, and, and explain your style. You should always try to communicate your communication style to and your, your preferences for that to, to your coworkers, especially if it's becoming a bit of a problem. But even before that, say, hey, I don't really listen to my voicemail. It's always full. I don't think you could leave a voicemail if you tried. If that ever happens, shoot me an email or a text and I will get back to you. And that way that clears up any issues beforehand. And when other people communicate their preferences to you, listen and, and do try to, to cooperate with them. Um, if for whatever reason they don't connect, try to find some common ground. They like phone calls and you like texting 
and you're not really willing to budge, we'll find something else. Find something in between. Maybe face-to-face -face meetings and emails are the way to go. And again, I've counseled this earlier on, and I will counsel it again. Patience. Be patient with one another as as they try to form a new habit or learn a new skill in, in the way that they communicate. And, and basically, it all just comes back to assume that they have the best intentions. Lynn, what would you say? <laughs> well, I think that's absolutely right. And, and an awareness of the different tendencies and styles are key to working effectively um, together. Even how you use different words. I mean, we haven't really talked about that, but, you know, generations sometimes you view a specific word differently and, and the use of that word and what that word means and when it's used in context. And I've been in meetings um, where we actually all agree, but because we view the use of a specific word a little differently and it's it it, it seems like we don't agree <laughs> we, we, and we have to have that conversation so we can get to that root cause and identify okay we're all on the same page we're all in agreement we just view that word a little differently and uh and an example of that is the word research you know sometimes uh, from a younger generation perspective, research is just doing a Google search and, and it's a whatever lands on the first page and you're going to check it out. Um, whereas research can mean, and once again, you know, a much larger endeavor. And so those are things that uh, I found. And the other thing that I, I'd point out is that remembering the when you're working with someone, if you do provide them with concise guidelines on um, the methods of, you know, not only your organizational communications, but also on how to work well with one another. Um, and and that if you have um, new tools or processes, um, make sure that, you know, you've got that the training that's needed for ease of use and that you respect that unique differences in team members um, what what that brings to the endeavor for everyone and flex your own style uh, to work with your coworkers. And I think, Rachel, that was what you're saying, patience, you know, and adjusting your style to um, work with them effectively. Uh, Tina, what would you like to add? Well, I think I'm just going to wrap it all up as uh, you and uh, and Rachel have have covered some excellent points here. But I think it's it's important to ask the Beth best method as to how to communicate with with others um, you know what what is their preference do they do they prefer email do they prefer text do they prefer uh, you know how best would they, how do they best learn or how best would they communicate would they like to be communicated with there are instances you know obviously we obviously need to talk with someone to to your point Rachel you know you don't maybe want to do a meeting um, but you're you're too far away to to um, to have a face to face. So maybe you Skype or FaceTime or something as opposed to actually picking up the phone and calling someone. Um, I, I it, that I don't understand the, the difference there, but I, I think it's a generational looking at someone versus just just listening to the voices. Um, and sometimes talking on the phone is just too time intensive. But just generally speaking. Um, I think if you ask the best best way in which to communicate, and I agree with you about the tone and and some of the verbiage and and working things out and making sure that uh, those lines of of communication that they're open and that you're open to 
everyone is open to the other preference and uh, and listens listening very carefully to whether or not your communication is is being heard. Those are all great points. We have one more question, and it comes from Angie in Hamburg, North Dakota. Angie asks, several of the younger members of my team are literally terrified of making phone calls. They understand the calls are necessary to do their job. I'm frustrated because I don't know how to help them. What are your ideas to get past this? Lynn, how would you help Angie and her team? <laughs> yes, I already mentioned the phone calls <laughs> earlier. Um, so Angie, I want to start with telling you that I've experienced the same situation. And this is what has worked for me. Um, for new team members who feel this way, I have set up the initial calls. So, you know, with today's technology, we can use all kinds of virtual meetings, you can merge phone calls, but I get myself and the other team member on the call, then I call the person that, uh, the recipient, and I make the introductions and I turn the call over to my younger team member so that they can manage the call and go through what needs to be um, taken care of during that call. And in my experience, I've only had to, to do this a few times before my younger team members acquire a new skill and they feel much more comfortable initiating those calls on their own. And through this process, I've demonstrated how to make the call. Um, I've been there if they've encountered any kind of challenges during the call. And uh, then we reviewed the process after the call. And I consider it just part of my role um, for training and as a mentor. So I would suggest giving that a try. Um, Rachel, um, what is your suggestion for Angie? Well, Angie, I would be one of those team members. I hate calling someone I don't already know. It's a funny thing because if I'm familiar with them, then it doesn't become a problem. Or if it's a group phone call, as Lynn mentioned earlier, I don't have much of a problem if I'm familiar with one or more of the people there. But something about just making that initial phone call, I don't know what it is. I can't identify for you what the problem is. I just know that it is a problem. So, of course, with, as with any fear or skill, which are often related, the more they do it, the easier it will get. So, as Lynn mentioned, she only has to do her little trick a few times before the younger team members get it figured out. And, I mean, I, I had a job previously that I had to make just phone call after phone call after phone call on certain days. That wasn't my job most of the time, but during certain periods, that's all I was doing. And I hated it. And it never really got that much easier for me, but something that did help was having a script. So if, I'm not sure what exactly your team members are supposed to be doing, Angie, but if they're doing something like calling people to remind them to make a payment or, hey, check out this product, it can help if they have a script. You can either provide it for them or you can encourage them to write one of their own. And obviously, conversations aren't necessarily scripted, but if they can get their first, like, hi, I'm so-and-so, this is what I'm calling you for, then that, that can be very helpful. And it might be that maybe not every single phone call is going to be the same, and they might need to take time, take a minute to just like write out all the points that they have to cover, because some people get fuzzy and scared when they, when they have to make that call, and they're like a deer in headlights, and they forget everything that they're supposed to say. If they have it written down, that's going to be helpful. And 
Angie, you, I can already tell that you want to help them, um, and that's great. Being kind and you know sympathetic to their fear is is going to make them feel less embarrassed. But if it's part of their job, it's part of their job. So you do also have to be firm and let them know that they're going to need to find a way to to do this, or else they're going to have to be reassigned or let go. Um, Tina, what would you say? Well, Angie, I think there are a couple of things in that that have already been said. That setting an example, and and in Lynn's um, uh, Lynn's example of of making the call, making a warm introduction uh, for the younger teammate um, is good. Or having actually having those younger teammates sit in and listen to a phone call that uh, that an older member of the team is making or a more seasoned member of the team is making to to be able to hear what the nuances are in the conversation and and uh, find find ways that perhaps um, they will make them feel more comfortable because everyone's everyone's completely different on this and I, I like the idea of trial calls of of doing mock calls just like making mock presentations where you're you're actually going through the conference you're going through a presentation but you have have ways of tweaking that makes it a little more um, uh, relevant to and and interesting to the uh, to the recipient. So you might try that from a team standpoint of calling each other and, and seeing what that's like um, and getting getting comments back. Another thing I I used to do with myself if I had to make a total as X number of calls in a day, particularly cold calls, is to play a game see who can get the most number of incomplete calls, right? Set the bar pretty low. And then if you have to actually get through to someone and can make an appointment or can take that conversation to the next level, all the better. But set a set a goal small and um, like maybe five calls in a day. Uh, and then you can up it as, as things go on. But it can become um, less of a chore. And certainly if, if younger members are just terrified of being on the phone, I think to be able to set an example and have them sit back and listen to how a conversation might go uh, and then to practice that in the safety of the team um, will help as they're moving out and uh, starting to do things on, on their own. That would be my suggestion, Angie, and good luck. Thank you, Lynn, Rachel, and Tina for your excellent ideas. I hope they are helpful for Angie, her team, and anyone else with a fear of making phone calls. We want to thank all of our members and guests who joined us for today's podcast. Next week will be another terrific dialogue at Petite de Queen. If you have a question or would like to suggest topics for discussion, please email us at jointheconversation at petitedequeen.com. Mm -hmm.